You may ask, what are the odds, right? What are the odds? Well, that's why we're here to answer those questions. Answer the question. We don't care if you win or lose the game. I don't care. Just cover the spread. Now, here's Aton Shander. You know, Wednesday's Friday for us. And beyond any action tonight, college basketball, we have a couple of things to throw at you. This Georgetown play looks sweeter and sweeter against Providence. And if you're willing to dive in with Duke, go ahead. We've got a couple things we'll dive into there in college basketball. But for us, as we look at Thursday night, the return of the NBA, and thank goodness it could not come any sooner. XFL, we've been hinting at tonight about how much we'll talk about this. In fact, I have not only for your benefit out there, but selfishly for mine, brought in an expert, all right? A big gun so that we can actually build a stack live on the air, all right? And that, of course, is Dave Lockman. You just heard him on the crossover with Sean Brace on the Daily Ticket. You can follow Dave on Twitter, at Lawfee underscore D, Sirius XM Fantasy, Awesomeo.com as well. My man, Philadelphia pride in the house. It's good to have you on a national level representing the city. Hold on, hold on, hold on. See, I knew it. I knew you were on the wrong one, and I'm not going to throw the boss under the bus. Let's try that. No, let's try that. Chair says number two. So uh, it's actually three. Number three. Yeah. All right. So everything was wrong. It's great to be here with you, brother, and I appreciate you taking the trek down and hanging out in the iHeart studio and being a part of this thing. And we can cover everything from the fantasy angle, the betting angle. You mentioned it in the crossover. This fight jacked up for it as far as the Wilder Fury thing. And this has got to be since the last time we saw them. I don't think we've had a fight to this magnitude, right? No oh, man, I, listen. I, I haven't been this excited for a fight in a, in a while. You, you you got a guy that's the most powerful heavyweight puncher ever, and then the most elusive heavyweight fighter ever going up in a rematch after a draw. You you can't beat this. They had the the press conference today, and there's some tension there already. <laughs> it, it's going to be fun. See, I in the big thing that I guess I have to get over is where it all began with a conversation about. The difference of if you're going the distance versus somebody getting knocked out. And I guess Fury is doing his best now to insert into the narrative, into the dialogue that he's looking for the KO. Because before, the, I guess, the presser, a lot of people were like, look, if this thing is going to end early, it's going to be Wilder putting Fury on his, on right. his back, like right. we saw in the 12th round. But how much do you think that really is going to carry over? Because you mentioned this, too, in the 12th round about Fury getting up. And maybe having something, and I mean, we don't really look at boxing matches like NBA or football games that could carry over week to week. But you might be onto something. It's it's totally different. You switch up your trainer. You switch a, a lot up going into this. He said the routine got stale. 
Um, he he's doing things differently, and just the idea that look, I enjoy somebody like Floyd Mayweather, one of the best ever, you know, arguably the best ever. I don't enjoy. I don't love watching his fights. Look, it's tough. Right? You know, defensive fighters, I, I respect everything he does. It's tough watching B-Hop fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's our own. Exactly. It, it, it's difficult uh, in terms of, like, the level of enjoyment. But if you appreciate boxing, you appreciate what he's doing, you know, it's palatable. But uh, in a case like this, I'd be surprised if, if this goes the distance again. I'd be real surprised. And, watch. okay, so defensive fighting is one thing. Watching a guy... 6'9", where they say he's coming in around like 270, Tyson Fury. Yeah, so uh, he's cut down some, is that right? Yeah, he. I forget what he I forget what he weighed in at last time, but he's got some size on Wilder, uh, some weight. But to watch him dip and dodge and, and be as elusive as he is, now that's a show. I can't believe it. I, I still, it's just a marvel of nature for this guy to be able to move like that. And you're right, to, to stay... Unhit. I mean, it's one thing if you're kind of dodging and, and shedding some blows, but he's not sitting there as like a slim down butter bean, where, you know, <laughs> just getting pounded on. Right? There's a lot of it. So you start to look at some of these, and, and I was listening to a couple of people kind of look at different odds for this thing, and, and I'm trying to find them specifically depending on the app here and, and where you can get them. But the the overall feel for this fight, just looking at it. You know, Fury is minus 106, Wilder minus 110. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty even as is. I feel like this is pretty much going to be two things. One, a gut, and a gut feel is kind of how you laid out where you're looking at the pressure, you're looking at the strategy, the change in the trainer, the difference in Fury. But then there's also, this first thing was in a draw. You already have a third fight built in, do you not? You would think so. Because yeah. who, even if somebody... Look, now, here's my question. And I don't know how plausible this is. We'll have odds for it, right? And that's the name of the damn show. What are the odds? But the actual fight itself to end in a draw is plus 2,300. Amazing. But the likelihood, right? We've seen it the first time. That is technically a way to extend the fight to a third one. We just think, oh, well, easily. If Fury or Wilder lose, then you have a rematch. But, I mean... Could you have two straight draws like that? That seemed at plus twenty three hundred. I wouldn't stay away from Dave, but you know, ten bucks is one thing. The likelihood of that happening, though, I wonder if people start factoring that into how they view just who wins this fight. Yeah. So take it a step further. You look at Deontay Wilder by KOs plus one twenty five. Tyson Fury by points plus one seventy. Um, wow. So where are you on now? Global or uh, legal? Should I only be referencing one book? No, 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 no. And on this show, you can reference anyone, okay. including Draft Global. DraftKings Perfect, perfect. So, they, so look at the difference, got, though. They've actually got Wilder minus 115. Th- great, that's where I was going. All right, let's look at this, because I'm on fan... No, this is the beauty of the show, is that we can compare and, and look back. Right. I mean, bookies.com is one of the main sponsors, and that's what they do. They aggregate for everybody. So, absolutely. So, from FanDuel to DraftKings, both in PA, mind you, since Dave and I are sitting feet away from each other. You've got Wilder at minus 115? Yeah, my, what, minus 115. I've Fury. got him at minus 110, and Fury at minus 106. And you, you got him at 106 as well, yeah. Okay, but the bigger difference, I think, was what you laid out. So Wilder by KO, I have it only plus 115. Okay, yeah, plus 125. Fury by points 
is after 12 rounds plus 170. Fury Tyson Fury by KO TKO or disqualification plus 500. So wow. I mean, it still speaks to what you're saying. It it's a lot less likely that Fury wins by way of knockout. But st- so plus 500 isn't something I guess I thought based off of how all the conversation was kind of funneling it that we wouldn't be talking as much about Tyson Fury knocking Wilder out. Right. But think of the difference. Like, what's more likely, if you just zoom out and don't even attribute odds to this, and then we will attribute and, and kind of see where we are, but just from a thousand miles away, what's more likely to happen? Wilder winning by points or Fury winning by knockout? Yeah, I mean... And then the follow-up to answer that as well would be, how wide of a gap is your answer? So, right now, these odds aren't that far apart. I mean... I think well, I have him at plus one thousand versus plus five hundred. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so um, Deontay Wilder winning by points or Fury winning by knockout? Correct. Okay, my fault. Yeah, the, the two. I feel like the two least likely or less likely scenarios per boxer. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, DraftKings has uh, Wilder plus nine hundred to to win by okay. points. I, I don't see that happening. Uh, I mean, it's not impossible, but it's just so unlikely. It, it's unlikely. I mean, the amount of power he has in that right hand. And by the way. It was reported recently that that he had a broken arm leading up to that first fight. Mm, right. Okay. And uh, I mean, it only came out recently, so I don't know, you know, how much how much you put into that. But um, I mean, that is a dangerous right hand. It's it, it's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it's scary. You start to see that in slow motion, right? It's oh like, yeah, oh. no question. But uh, yeah, I would. I, I think Fury. If there's one here that I like, he actually you know getting value on it. I think. The way that Fury's talk, and listen, a lot of times talk is just talk. I get that, especially when it comes to boxing. You know, there was a shoving match tonight um, before the press conference. That type of stuff is is expected, and it always kind of doesn't look real. But with the way he's changed things up, said last time wasn't good enough, changed this trainer, talking about coming in heavy hmm. and knocking Wilder out in two rounds. Tyson Fury plus five hundred knockout. It's not the craziest thing. It's it's no. not the craziest thing in the world. No, and 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 I actually am, am starting to think. I feel like you've talked me into accepting this reality. Not necessarily betting it yet. Yeah, now mind you, I'm not a premier uh, boxing expert. Neither so. am I. <laughs> and, and this you is the beauty of running it. with me. The, the two this. of us are just talking our way through it. By all means, you know what are the odds we get it right? Who knows? But you're, yes, at plus five hundred, it doesn't even feel like a trap. It doesn't feel like we're being enticed right. by this number. You know, maybe at plus two fifty or three hundred, you'd start to look and say, "Well, this this thing smells too good to be true." But there's still inherent risk in taking it at plus five. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean. Deontay Wilder plus nine hundred to win uh, by points. That one to me is just a, a stay. I, I don't see that's like the most unlikely of these four. Situ- well, five it, tie you know draws is clearly the least likely. But uh, I'd say of the feasible ones, Wilder by points seems really, really unlikely to happen. I agree. Now you also have the the round right in which you see something happening, and then the actual over under in the total rounds of the fight, and everything is built on the narrative. Mm-hmm. If it's a KO, I don't think this thing lasts. It, how could it last 11 rounds? right? I, I mean, I don't think that Wilder is built to take a beating and then just knock Fury out in the 11th round. I just said the same thing, though, but he did it last time in round 12. <laughs> well, he knocked him down. You're right. right. I mean, listen, 
I think Fury was unconscious for a minute. Like, if you go back, back. What was that movie, Lost Boys? It brought back yeah, to life. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, again, very unlikely scenario. I don't think anybody would have seen, you know, where you can, you can bat, like you're saying, Deontay Wilder, round 12 is plus 3,000, plus, uh, round 11, plus 2,500. These are not scenarios that we would expect to happen. But uh, at the same time, it, oddly enough, it, there was there was a conversation I heard. I can't remember who it was. I was actually listening to this today. And someone said that the the ref started the count late, and that one should have been over. This it, is when he got knocked out yeah, of the twelfth. Yeah, and that Fury actually didn't get up in time. Now I'm so glad that they let that continue because yes. that made the fight. That would have been a huge disappointment if he got up clear headed and, and wasn't allowed to go to town on Wilder for the final two minutes. But yeah, I mean. Twelfth round. I, I don't. I don't like that. I don't see that happening. I, I wouldn't be surprised for this one to end pretty early. That's see. I wonder how disappointed people truly would be because then it goes back. See, this is why I feel like you always have to have that third fight looming when you're looking at these decisions mm-hmm. because normally, if this were a rematch scenario, and let's say Fury doesn't get up and Wilder wins that, and now this is a rematch scenario, if Wilder knocks Fury out in the third round. We're all, we're pissed off. Oh yeah, a lot of people are upset. Book might takes home some money, but then again, there's not really any form of entertainment that's paid off. I feel like in this case, everybody walks away happy in some regard. Where even if it's a short fight, yeah, you're paying some money for it. You're going to get a third fight. You right. know that there's coming. So I don't know. Maybe you factor something like, like that into it or not. But yeah, I could see. Like I wouldn't be shocked. I guess is what I'm saying, Dave. If Wilder knocked out Fury in the fourth round. Neither would I. And then I, we walk away like, all right, it's a short fight, but we're going to get a third one. Yeah, but not, I guess you and I don't. You and I see this a little bit differently. The power of Deontay Wilder. I mean, he he has that phrase. He says, "You got to be perfect for thirty six uh, minutes. I only have to be perfect for two seconds." Couldn't be more true. And watching him connect. I mean, if you ever want, go and watch, go and watch all of the highlights from every knockout from Deontay Wilder vicious yep. just vicious and you know if that were to happen in the fourth round uh either one of these guys weighing in at like easy 200 plus 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 uh my guess is it's going to be that that moment right there is going to be worth it for me oh yeah no don't get me wrong i don't think that i walk away disappointed like i got cheated from a 12 round fight because i don't to be fair I can't expect a 12-round slugfest. Right. I mean, last time, you you can't really live up. I don't know if you can actually live up to what we saw last time. No, because of your point, and you said it, right, either this show at the end of the last, about The Undertaker. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's that's Hulk Hogan, right, as far as getting put to sleep. And he didn't just get up. And, and, and go into to defensive mode for two minutes. He came at Wilder. I mean, it, that's one of the best rounds of boxing you're going to see, just given the circumstances. And how often do you see something like that happen? It's really unique. It is. Yeah. At that point, to to carry up on that, you probably would need an early knockout. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you probably would. Yeah. At, at that point, and, and maybe it would be. I mean, of all things. For this thing to either draw or Fury to knock him out now. Can Fury do that? That's something I don't know if... Uh, that's something, I guess, that would keep me away from taking the Fury KOTKO 500 is... You're going to have to... I feel like you're going to have to get Wilder early. I don't know if... 
it's a combination, right? It's a combination of withstanding whatever Wilder has. It's risk-reward to, to wear him down and then try, like you said, and we've seen this, that 12th round magic that Fury can provide. But the risk of it is you stay in the ring for more rounds with Wilder, who only needs a couple of seconds to end yep. your night. And that's where I feel like the longer fight, if I were to take Fury knocking out Wilder and walk me through here with this Dave here, and we're chatting, of course, in studio, Dave Lochran at Lofty underscore D, Sirius XM Fantasy and Awesomeo.com, Eights on Shander, what are the odds? Fox Sports Radio presented by Cure Auto Insurance. If I'm going to go Fury KOTKO at plus five, I'm going to take that over ten and a half. I yeah. think I think it happens later in the fight. That would be the magic, I think, that we're all asking for, but I don't know if it happens early. Yeah, and I'm with you, and, and there's definitely the discussion. Of when it comes to endurance and stamina, you have to think Tyson Fury um, has that. But at the same time, we saw both of them. It's true. I, it, the, 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 yeah, problem, I the problem I have is I keep I – keep refer- <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. In, in basketball, in football, in a lot of these sports – when you use a one-game sample size, it's it's nonsense, right? Yep. Especially the longer the season, it, you hear people people talking. Well, this is what happened last time. All right, that was a an er, an early November basketball game. Now you're talking about a late April game. Many many in many instances, there's no connection whatsoever. But in a case like this, it's hard not to take something away from that last fight. And right now, it's only plus one twenty to go the distance. Yeah, that's really not bad at all. I mean, really, it, it, of all the uh, outside of just a money line play, that might be the best, right? Plus one twenty to go the distance. Yeah, minus one sixty two on the no. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would. I I think at that point, yes, you're getting plus value. So I always know that there's something there. But man, why not? Now, yeah. Is there anything outlandish you would touch? Tyson Fury to win in 60 seconds is plus 10,000. Either to win in 60, plus 8, and Wilder to do it is plus 9. I love that. Those bets will get you into some trouble. Uh, Gone in 60 seconds is the FanDuel header of that. (laughs) (laughs) Those props are a lot of fun, though, man. Yeah, I mean, why not put 10 bucks on that, right? Either to win in 60, why not? Absolutely. I I enjoy that type of stuff in, in UFC. You know, you can live bet. Uh, a lot of that, yep. and, and it'll be the same case with with uh, Fury uh, Wilder Fury. But um, oh, that's a good question. You know, I I haven't done that yet for a boxing match. Have you done that? Have you live bet for UFC? Yeah, frequently. I haven't done it for a boxing match. Yeah, not for boxing for UFC. Probably more than I should. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you though. There's see, it's and this can take us into the XFL. We'll take a break in a minute or two because I, I see a story that's going to hurt a little bit. Ratings dipped. But I, I expected it because of Saturday, and I blame Saturday. Mm-hmm. But the the betting angle and the fantasy angle should not have dipped at all. That's because, all I care about. Yeah, there's money to be made out there. But as far as you know, laying out where we are now in this fight and kind of transitioning a little bit into the XFL, I feel like if you have a grasp on the sport and through repetition, you're going to be able to identify a lot of easy turns in a match, in a fight, right? Yep. Same thing with the XFL, where you don't need to know Landry Jones from Cardell Jones, but you know the ebbs and flows of a football game, and you could pick up on that. Yeah, no question. Um, and you know when it comes to, to these, these XFL games, you, you know, when, you're, when you're in-game betting or live betting, at being able to, to bet on the team that's playing defense, 
is always something big because you've got you know presumed points kind of baked into that that line uh, from the opposing team. And uh, you know, there's some some fun ways to go about that. And I, I think I mean we'll get into it. Yeah. But when it comes to the XFL, we're all still learning. You know, it's still a very very new sport. We're only two weeks in, and there's been some good football and some bad football. It's true, and I, and I think ultimately that's the beauty of now knowing this league has a serious line between four teams and the other four teams, good and bad, and, yep. and that's the beauty of it. And I'm seeing if there's anything we've missed from a value or just a crazy bet standpoint. We talked about the rounds, and you, I think, gave 10 and 12. I mean, round by round as far as when will it end. The lowest values are six, seven, eight. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle. And again, if you think this thing is going to go the distance, if you think that maybe somebody can get knocked out late, I mean, round 12 plus 2,000. But then it goes back to that last match, what we saw. Yeah. I mean, somebody getting put to the canvas. You take this angle from it, too. I mean, over four and a half rounds is minus 670. Is that right? Yeah. I'm looking for where I have it here. Yeah, yeah. Over 10.5, minus 110. Yep. So, I mean, it, this game, or this fight going the distance uh, certainly does. It, it seems more than plausible. Based on it's some of these. Almost even money. Yeah, some of these lines, right? It's, yeah. yeah. The juice for over total rounds is minus 108 on FanDuel. You said it's minus 110 for you? Uh, on DraftKings is to go, I'm sorry, for which? For the fight to go over 10 rounds. So total rounds in the fight is set at over or under 10 and a half. Yeah, so this has got 10 and a half rounds. Doesn't actually offer 10, but uh minus 110. Okay, but yeah, right there at it. Okay. No, we didn't miss anything. Good. I don't know if I can get that actual both guys knocked down. Now, how about this last one? Will both fighters be knocked down plus 500? Yes. Yeah, I'm going I'm I'm going no there. And the reason for it is, is simple. I don't know, despite everything we saw with Fury, I don't know if, if he can do that again. I don't know if you can take that uh, that type of shot and get back up. I, I, I'm going no there. It's it's possible, but Wilder is, I put it this way, I don't want to bet against Wilder's power again. Well, to your point, to be knocked down, Fury's minus 126, Wilder at plus 215. There you go. Nobody yeah. believes. Two to one. That's it's over two to one. Yeah. I mean, that, that should tell you right there. And again, it feeds into if it's going to be decided by points or a knockout. So it's, I'm, glad you made, I'm glad you brought that up. Give me Wilder to be knocked down at plus 215. There you go. So you have some value there as well. And, and you think if that's the case, you tack on Fury by KO. Or yeah. TKO, right? Yeah. That plus 500. We said now all of a sudden you've stacked something here. Mm-hmm. All right, speaking of which, we've got the XFL. The ratings are down, but that's from an entertainment standpoint. From a money-making standpoint, this thing is moving up from both a betting and fantasy football area. We'll get into that. We have some more things with the NBA returning on Thursday night. Our Philadelphia 76ers are back. Some pretty big lines, including, of course, them hosting the Brooklyn Nets alongside Dave Lochran, SiriusXM Fantasy. Awesomeo.com at Lofty underscore D. Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Mm.
Now, what are the odds the Sixers clear this big line Thursday night? NBA returns, hosting the Brooklyn Nets. They've got a bunch of problems on their own. And the last I saw was eight and a half. Dave Lockman's in the house at Lofty underscore D. Sirius XM Fantasy. Awesomeo.com. Did a lot on that fight, man. I was pretty impressed. Yeah. Not, not just with you, but the fact that that actually sounded pretty coherent between the two of us. <laughs> Surprised as well. <laughs> you know? Well, it, it's easy when you start. See, this is the beauty of what we're doing now and how much more prevalent sports betting is becoming in our conversations is that not much changes when you're applying odds and perspective of odds and even in different sports because you do it for NBA to mm-hmm. NFL, XFL now. So a lot of the same principles apply, and that's where I think you can kind of cheat a little bit and say, oh, well, there's value here, there's value not. And more and more people, I think, understand that because it's becoming more prevalent. Yeah, no question. And look, with a fight like that, there's there's a lot of moving parts, right? Like Wilder, we don't have to get back into to boxing, but yeah, there, there's spots like that where you say, "All right, I'm not, uh, I'm not a, an expert, so to speak, in boxing by any stretch." But you know, you watch these guys fight enough, you know that you know this could happen, this could happen, and, and that's kind of the approach to take, at least for somebody like you or myself. Absolutely, man. And I think, look, if anybody listened there, they got some pretty good advice, or I was going to say insight and advice. I, I combined two words. In vice. We'll just coin that new phrase here. I like it. But see, that's the thing. is, I don't think anybody's... Th- well, all right. Well, after listening to that, I now am locked in for this fight ending in the 27th minute, <laughs> plus 3,700. I, I heard David Shander out there speaking to me. No, by, by no means. Now, the NBA's back, and I don't know how much this thing has been bet down as we get a little bit closer. And you know how we are in Philadelphia. Idle time. It's still eight and a half. So the Sixers, and this is where I think the difficulty is betting the Sixers at home versus just rooting for the Sixers at home. It's our team, and we've been watching this team forever. But what happens is situations like this, where clearly they're a better basketball team than a squad like the Nets who are coming to town, but eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, these lines are not easy to cover at home. 25 and 2, that's where I think the disconnect is to where I, I think they're like, what, 14, 12, something like that. They're not anywhere near 25 and 2 against the spread mm-hmm. at home. But I don't think it's a, clearly they're not losing games. It's just these big lines. And that's why I, I Brooklyn at 8.5, it just seems such a, it just seems like a very difficult number to cover in general at home. It does. I mean, you, you take the Sixers at home, they're 15, 11, and 1. 15, 11. Spread. Okay, yeah. thank you. Um, the, what are they? Uh, on the road, 9 and 19. I mean, Ooh, what just a, fade them, right? What a disaster. I, I'll tell you the truth, man. I'm not big on betting home teams. You know, I, I don't let emotions get involved. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where you, I try and be disciplined about. Uh, because I'm a big Philly guy, a big Philly fan. Right. You know, it, it's tough. But but can't you apply, real quick, I'm sorry, can't you apply that? Like, aren't you better equipped to bet the Sixers exactly. than somebody who isn't? So that's where I'm going with it. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, in a spot like this, I know this team inside and out. What, what I mean by that is when you're a fan, you, you can't bet those teams based on emotion. You know what I mean? And you see a lot of people make that mistake. You know, Eagles are going to win tomorrow. Lock it in, right? Um. But with the Philadelphia 76ers, you have something that's 
you can like you can quantify exactly what has happened with the Sixers this year. They're dominant on the road. I tweeted this the other day. This is a team that legitimately looks like a championship finals contender at home. On the road, they don't look like they belong in the postseason, right? So eight and a half's a lot. It's tough, but I don't see any way they, they lose this basketball game. There, there's just Kyrie Irving remains out. It's a yep. really tough game to lose. But then at the same time, eight and a half's a lot. Eight and a half is a lot against the Brooklyn team that, to be fair, has given them some trouble. Smaller guards, even without Kyrie, you know, Spencer on that wing is is definitely a been a player. problem, right? I think what I look at, all right, so let's look at this two ways. I think we both agree, even if it's a little bit different means, I think we're both at the same way, and I don't even think it's separate by that much, but I think we're both leaning if you had to commit to Brooklyn. Covering. Yeah. Bro- covering. Brooklyn covering eight and a half, but, I'm, but I don't like that line. Yeah, it's... It, I'd like another point if I'm the Nets. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't. I don't. I don't love think that's it. being greedy. No, not at all. The Sixers have just. Look, first of all, they've been predictable. Right? They, they win at home. They're 25 and two at home. <laughs> it's absurd. On the road, they're they're a bad basketball team. Now, do I think that we're going to see the tide change a little bit on that? I do. I I don't see how you can be this. This discombobulated away from Wells Fargo Center, and you know we can get into Brett Brown some other time. No, that's fine if you want to. I'm sure you have thoughts on him. I got too many, man. I, I'm why. Uh, let me ask you this question: What are the odds? What are the Dave Lockeran odds that Brett Brown is the head coach game one of the 2021 season? There's like minus three hundred, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't think brand. I don't think they. I don't think this. The upper management's willing to, to get rid of to get rid of him. But that's three to one that he's back. I know, man. I know. I, you sound so upset. Maybe we shouldn't have brought him up. I'm sorry. It's but look. Is everything Brett Brown's fault? No, everything is not Brett Brown's fault. He can't make the shots. Understood. Totally get that. Right. But in the same breath. You can't be going into the final possession of the game with zero timeouts where you have to inbound it from under your own basket yeah. with three seconds left. How many times have you seen that happen in competitive basketball games? That stuff's frustrating, Aton. You're right. You're right. It feels like the the mismanaging of the clock with Andy Reid, just like stuff over and over again that mm-hmm. you can't fathom and you can't understand why it continues to happen. And yeah, you, you know, ultimately when it is time for Brett Brown to go. While people will pile on and say, well, the scapegoat and the fact that it's tough to kind of put guys together. You're right, man. There are some things that no matter what the situation was, no matter what the guys on the floor were or how many times they shifted over, he didn't get better at as a coach. Exactly, And that's what's going to hurt this team. And I don't know how much. See, that's also feeding into this team on the road. There are things that are breaking down from a player and coach standpoint where I don't know if they're just riding the home court advantage, knowing that if they screw you. up one second, people are going to come down ben and Ben Simmons said it. He said, well, how are you? They, they asked him after the game, why are you so good at home? He said, we're afraid to lose. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, but listen, there's times where you got Brett Brown running out of lineup in a competitive game against a good team of, of Furka and Korkmaz and Howell Neto and Matisse Thibel and, and Mike Scott. Right. And, how? Why? Yeah. I mean, maybe Alec Burks 
fixes that. Glenn Robinson's a decent enough backup that can play defense. But, man, some of the lineups you see out there are, are, are brutal. They are. And it, that's what's gone back to, I think, routine frustration with Brown. Because how many times have you said that, Dave, over the last four or five years? Too much. Why are they running? Why is he running out that lineup? I Fill know. in the blank. Props on uh, Neto's pronunciation as well. Oh, I got yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> I have to, man. I got to talk about every player from the league every day. And you have somebody that will call so, up and be like, you know, I heard Dave respond. Uh, somebody Dave, in Alabama. Yeah. Like, no, Dave, you said it. <laughs> Trust me, man. Sirius is, is an amazing gem, it isn't is, it? And not even just on Sirius, but yeah, see, that's the thing. It's, it's, um, that's national, so I got to talk about. You know, I have to know the the entire bench, and it, we both do, right? But I'm forced to talk about the Utah sure, Jazz, sure. you know, and 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 teams that that normally I wouldn't ne- be spending nearly as much time on. That's hilarious, man. All right, let's look at this. We both agree, and reluctantly for Dave, okay for me. I, I'll say I I think we separate a little bit, but we're both on the same page, which is if you had to, you take the Nets eight and a half. But where can you actually look at some value? I tried already. The Sixers are not losing this basketball game. They're nearly 4-1. to one. They're minus 390 on the money line at home. The Bucks, it's, it's too much. You're at 257 on FanDuel if you parlay those two money lines. If you wanted to get greedy, maybe you add the Rockets at minus 500. And now, Dave, you're at a minus 150 three-team parlay where you have the Bucks who ain't losing on the road in Detroit, right? And Houston, who we believe, I would think, isn't losing at Golden State. Yeah, I got that down last night, actually, when I when I placed this parlay on, on Sixers, Bucks, Rockets, Moneyline. I think I, I think I got it 132. Nice. Um, I, I, can, I can look, but they, they've moved a little bit. Now, I don't mind that. I mean, the Golden State Warriors' top player right now is Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins... Came into the league as someone that was anticipated to be, you know, an, the next really great player. It's never materialized. He's a decent enough player, but he's never, in my opinion at least, ever going to be the top scorer on a decent team. And I mean, hell, look what happened with Carl Anthony Towns being out. Wiggins was worse with yeah. Towns out. His effective field goal percentage was down ten percent in those what fifteen games that wow. Towns missed. It was that bad. It was bad, man. Yeah, it was. It was rough. I think it went down to forty eight percent as EFG. That's not the type of guy that I'm worried about coming in and uh, and 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 hurting me. Damian Jones, Jordan Poole, these guys are not players you're worried about. So uh, lock the Rockets in. I, the Sixers are twenty five and two at home. How do you bet against that? <laughs> you can't. You, you can't. And, and the Bucks open at twelve and a half. They're at thirteen now on DraftKings. They're minus one thousand. I mean, you're never betting them in singles. Sure. Any of these. Yeah, I have no interest in that. But minus one forty eight on nothing's ever a lock. But it seems pretty likely that these three basketball teams win against the Pistons, the Nets, and the Golden State Warriors that just shipped off their best player. All right, so I'm locking in this as well. So you don't think that I'm trying to, or any any bad smoke out there for me asking this question, because we're both locked into this mm-hmm. together. But which of the three is most likely to bust? I think the obvious answer would be Houston, right? But yeah. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. So the the the, the something. I mean, the it gut, might be <laughs> I know the, the gut says that Houston could potentially lose this game, but you have to like really think about how would they lose this game. Both guys are out, right? Are on the floor, I should say, Russ and mm-hmm. James Harden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how do you lose this game? Is the question. And if you were to run through this this rotation or this lineup for Golden State. 
Who hurts you? Does, does Wiggins go off for 40? Highly unlikely, but he would need to, you know. Damian, um, uh, I tell you, you know what? Damian Jones is uh, the was Atlanta. I, I just drew a blood. Damian Lee, sorry. Lee, sorry. Yeah, Damian Lee for um, for, for Golden State. Right. He's not going off. Not, it's not going to happen. And Draymond Green is a shell of his old self without the backing of guys like Thompson, uh, Durant, uh, even Steph, yeah. Steph, even the Barnes team back in the, like he he's he's never going True. to lead an offense ever. That's not his style of play. And actually, losing these guys has kind of exposed Draymond Green as a good player, but not an elite player. So I could it be the Sixers? Yeah, but against that broken team, they'd have to they'd have to shoot thirty percent. Yeah, and there's no real height advantage that Golden State has to take advantage no. of that small ball that Houston could undo themselves, their own self with. Like Golden State is not good enough to even exploit that small ball that exactly. they're playing. And and not only that, but Brooklyn, you mentioned. I'm interested. I'm sorry. This Houston team is going into matchups against Rudy Gobert and the Jazz <laughs> with PJ Tucker or Robert Covington at the five, and they're winning these games. So. Yeah. Uh, look, I like that. Whatever Mike D'Antoni's doing is working, <laughs> and hey, I'm not worried about Marcus Chris at, at the five for Golden State. So, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. I get that the Sixers, and we, we mentioned, like, you're not going to, maybe they do win every other game and they finish with only two losses at home. I wouldn't be totally shocked or floored. It, it would be surprising, but I don't know. It just, there is something about, from a matchup standpoint, Brooklyn keeping this game close, although I don't see, like, I can't even envision in my head Brooklyn walking off the floor victorious. <laughs> Could I see Milwaukee? Now, Giannis is back. Mm-hmm. So you have to remove, remember, coming into the break, Giannis was out and they were playing a little off. Yeah, they got smoked by the Pacers, yeah. I think, the day before the break. But yeah. that's still a great team without Giannis, right? True. I mean, the, the Pacers were that's, right. That's right. They were playing, pardon me, they were playing well, and then I took them, and they got their ass smoked I, I by the Pacers. Too. I had them, too. And then I live bet them to cover. I they were undefeated, cover. right, without Giannis. They were. And I, I had actually live bet them to, to come back. I, I forget what the spread was. <laughs> just, just, just based on how well they played. You, you know? have to. There's you no other role with that. But, I, you know, I kind of, I, I, I gathered my thoughts afterwards. <laughs> I actually think I cashed out uh, on that live bet at one point because the, the, the Pacers had lost six straight. They are a good team. Oladipo had been playing terrible since his debut. It felt like, you know what, they do just come in and they win this game at home going into the break. It makes sense, but look, how could you not have have taken... At one point, Milwaukee moved to plus one, and and I'd taken them at minus one. I don't like that movement. I'm not going to say, oh, there's value there because now they're dogs. That just means that, that that I'd be getting in at the wrong spot. Uh, so I think I had them at minus one, and they lost by what, like fifteen or yeah, something. Yeah, man, it was rough. Yeah. That was a rough one. But I mean, with Giannis, with Middleton, with Bledsoe, that 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 is a very deep team. And let me ask you something: Did you watch the All Star game? So I did not. And best All Star game I've ever seen in my life. Phenomenal. And you I'm not far, exaggerating. No, no. And you are far from the only person that said that. So I'm curious as to why. And and here's what I did: I instead watched painfully that under Utah-Oregon game, <laughs> and I was so locked at, like I was on such a betting run and high from the XFL that day, especially Sunday, I, I kind of was just like, 
I, I don't know why. It wasn't like I was... I just wanted to get this out before you explain it. I wasn't anti. I wasn't hating. I wasn't like, sure, oh, sure. you know, I'm too old for this crap. I just, for the first... I think it was because of all the other things from a live betting college basketball and the XFL standpoint... It didn't bring me back into it. But you were far from the only person, Dave, who said it was amazing. Yeah, and for anyone unfamiliar with the new format, they made it so you had to hit 24 points in the fourth quarter to win. It wasn't timed, right? So if the, if it went into the fourth at 138 to 122, um, <clears throat> LeBron with LeBron's team at 138 would need to score, what, 162? And, and Giannis team 140, whatever. So uh, or, I'm sorry, they'd have run. to, they'd have to hit, they'd have to, um, eclipse that. But if, if, um, if LeBron's team hits 24 first, it's a wrap. Got it. Either way, the amount of defense being played, spectacular. This was the best players in the world on the floor at the same time playing their hardest basketball ever. I, they're arguing with refs, um, taking charges, you know, Kyle Lowry taking charges. Their coaches are cha- Nick Nurse is challenging calls. It was phenomenal. Embiid hit LeBron with the dream shake. Just mm. amazing stuff. I but saw that. Awesome. Great. But the odd thing was Giannis, I, you you don't want to look at this as like a real game, but in the fourth quarter, I did because nobody was slowing down, right? This was for real. Giannis didn't score a single point in the fourth quarter. Joel Embiid was actually the one taking it to the rack. And it says a little something about Giannis. You get into these critical games. I'm really interested to see how he's going to hold up, if he's going to hold up in the postseason. Because right now in the regular season, he's the best player in the league. Yeah, and he's locked into the MVP, but the futures, I think, have shifted. To where now, at least on FanDuel here, the Bucks are at plus 240. They're only 60 points behind both L.A. teams. I feel like that huh. gap has narrowed some since the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and the Clippers were actually um, were actually favored to, to win the finals. They went into uh, Philly. They went into the Wells Fargo Center. They went into um, TD Garden in Boston. They lost both of those games. And Kyrie Irving got shut down, uh, you know, relatively. Relatively speaking, because it's still Kyrie Irving, but Ben Simmons played some great defense on him. Yep. Marcus Smart Tatum played great defense on him, and they dropped from like at, at that point. I think it was like plus two eighty to plus three ten. Wow! So so, yeah. so now staring at plus three hundred apiece, at least on Fanduel here for the LA teams. Bucks are at plus two forty. The next value you get Houston and Philadelphia, and then it falls off. I mean, maybe there's something with Miami at twenty five to one. Plus twenty five hundred with Butler and, and a combination, Boston maybe two. You, you can kind of make an argument. I wouldn't trust Utah, or Denver personally as you get deeper into the playoffs. Not this year, but then there's Houston and Philadelphia, and it's kind of like they're both defined by that same sentence, which is if they could just figure something out. Mm-hmm. Like if Houston can get that small ball game, three-point launch D'Antoni system figured out, they could be dangerous. And if Philadelphia figures anything out on the road, man, absolutely, they're a lock to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I know. And with Houston, you're, you're spacing the floor so well now that Clint Capella's gone. Good player. But you're spacing the floor so well that you're just giving Russell Westbrook free reign to drive to the rack 25, literally 25 times a game. That's his, that's where his bread is buttered, and you're seeing him absolutely light it up because you've got four guys standing beyond the arc, you know, standing at the perimeter. It, it's making his life easy. As far as the Sixers go, I, the question is, are they built to beat the Bucks, right? And can they get there? Right. But if they don't finish, 
if, if this team finishes outside of a four seed, I'm worried about them competing on the road. You should be, though, because they haven't shown you or Nothing. anybody else that they can do it at all. Uh, do you have any interest in anything going on tonight? Georgetown, Providence, Duke, NC State, Nova, DePaul. I, I, I feel like, to be honest with you, and if, if not, that's totally okay because I, I feel like the the Nova, like there are a lot of people that are trying to force some action. I think tonight yeah. because of what happened recently, Nova and that big win against Temple and Duke coming off a thirty four point pounding the other night as well, but. It it does feel like it's a little bit, uh, at least a little bit more difficult because you don't have that break where you're coming back from the NBA. Like that goes back to the parlay. Does now a clean bill of health Giannis and Milwaukee lose their first game out of the gate? Does Philadelphia lose their first game out of the gate? Houston first game out of the gate. Meanwhile, it's like so difficult to call so much in college, especially as you get closer to the conference tournaments, man, because I feel like everything has since been out of whack. It has been out of whack. Yeah, I don't have anything for tonight, but I got. Uh, I feel pretty locked in on XFL for this week. All right, so. perfect. All right, so you have a couple of minutes. We'll take a quick break and talk about that. All right, Dave Lockman's in the house. Sirius XM Fantasy, awesomeo.com, at Lawfee underscore D, Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio. What are the odds? It's all presented by Cure Auto Insurance. No! All right, let's do this here because this is the real reason we're trying to win some money, not from a betting standpoint with the NBA and this fight, which we've thoroughly prepared people for, Dave. And I think that clearly anybody walking away here is going to walk away rich. They're doing God's work. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's look at the XFL. I know the ratings are down because people are superficial and fickle, and if it's not turning into a shootout, then people Mm -hmm. walk away. But the stack element from fantasy seems to be in play. The live betting, especially with the totals, has been paying off like gangbusters because, for the most part, I still don't think the books have caught up to how the XFL is, is playing out. They were better in week two. Um, I went four and zero in week one, and then two and two in week two. Uh, I, I I took an L on that that last Dallas Renegade, that Cameron Artis Payne touchdown with like a minute nine left. I had the Wildcats plus six and a half, mm. um, and then I had Houston to cover. I think it was six and a half too, uh, and they were up twenty. I think it was twenty one to three. Yep, you're feeling good about that. Uh, Tamu comes in and 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 runs them down the field several times. The Renegades' defense couldn't. Uh, sorry, the, the Roughbacks' defense couldn't slow them down. No, it's amazing so, to watch that. There's still a lot that I think all of us are learning when it because we've only you you can do research before the season starts. You can watch every game, but there's a lot of variance in in sports like this where you only have ten weeks. You know, even in football, only sixteen games each team. So yeah, there's a lot you have to to take in each week. So how much, and, and this is what I'm trying to do approaching each week, especially from a fantasy standpoint, is that divide. And it's so much more difficult in the NFL because clearly it's not like an easy pick, right? Jameis Winston, yeah, sure, the guy could throw a couple of picks, but chances are I was going to throw a bunch of touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But it's like every single week, Jacoby Brissett might throw for three TDs, right? He might, depending on who's around him. Right. We know damn well that there are four teams each and every week 
that should not break out at all with their quarterbacks. And I feel like Tamu has moved to that line to now where he's on the fourth. You've got both okay. Joneses, right? Uh, P.J. Walker, Temple Zone. And now Tamu, who I feel like are the four guys you can count on for quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay, so we saw one game from Josh Johnson. Mixed bag, right? I, I didn't. Ah, think... that's a good point. Yeah, Mixed he did bag. come back from injury. But... But, but, you know, well, this is why I say this, because coming into this season, you know, coming into, well, first season since, what, 2001? There was this idea that, you know, Josh Johnson was going to be the, the preeminent quarterback in the XFL. That hasn't materialized yet. But to your point, Matt McGloin's been terrible. Dude's been terrible. How funny was watching that. <laughs> How annoyed would you be having a microphone stuck in your face every time you make a bad play and come off the field, though? Just ridiculous. Yes, but it was almost like they, they were just waiting for that moment. And like, they got yes, it. Yes, and they did and they get it, it when he was benched with five oh, minutes left. God. Yeah, he's like, we got to change the whole game. <laughs> that was the worst game he's ever been a part of. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, it's different if you're taking responsibility. Look, I, I enjoy it. You had, I think it was the Wildcats head coach sitting on a bench with his arms stretched out and a towel over his neck calling plays. And some wild stuff goes on in the XFL uh, already. But yeah, P.J. Walker, Philip Walker, Cardell Jones has looked outstanding. Yep, Tamu has looked last week really good. And then I, I do do you throw Landry Jones into that mix? Because I, I, Josh Johnson, I think we can just going forward. Okay, so you are confident that Johnson crosses that line. I'm not confident, but if we're talking about teams that we don't ever expect to have breakout games, right? Like Seattle. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I, I think Josh Johnson's going to have a handful of games. Right. Tampa. They were expected to be a, a really solid offense. They were a high favorite. Still, they yeah. haven't scored a touchdown yet on offense. No, I, I know, and I feel bad. So, former tight end for Temple. He played briefly in the NFL out in Chicago, Colin Thompson. He's a South Jersey native, mm-hmm. so I did a lot of work with him on the South Jersey station, 97.3. He's a great kid, and he got a shot, and he's down there as a Viper, and he's playing tight end receiver for the Vipers. But he was his first game, just a micro of how frustrating it is. He's wide open running an easy pattern, and Aaron Murray just airmails it. I know. At least he's in Florida, right? It's <laughs> <That is> true. <laughs> there could be worse places. So I put here's why. I put Landry Jones in there because I think – much like you saw some bright spots with Johnson in that first week, he's back, especially with him being able to kind of move the chains a little bit with his feet. I feel like Landry Jones is that beer leaguer. Landry right. Jones can come in. He can sling the rock for three, 350. Hal Mummy's going to make it so that they can move the ball down the field. He might throw some picks, but I feel like every week you're going to get high yardage, and a high percentage of touchdowns. I think so, too. And he came back from a pretty rough first half in that game to lead them down the field and, and win that. Um, I like Cameron Artis Payne, too. Oh, he's a great back, yeah. Right? I mean, Lance Dunbar, you're talking about a, a former NFL guy, but Cameron Artis Payne clearly looked like the top back on that team last week, uh, and he was largely responsible for getting them that win. Guys like Brandon Silvers, though, th- this is ugly. You know, it, it, this is not that's that's not football. You know that I want to be privy to watching. He the, the the weird thing about him though, and if you want to take a quick fantasy slant with this, yeah, I was just about to go there. Thank you. So he has attempted thirteen deep passes this season, which is the most in the league, or I'm sorry, the second most in the XFL. Now you're talking silvers. Yeah, Brandon Silver, second most deep attempts, and, and when it comes to deep balls, 
Um, that kind of stuff's important. You're looking for the long plays, right? Even if you're not targeted with, with high volume. Wow, he's, Zorn can't help himself. I huh? know. He's completed one of them. Oh, my God. One of them. You got Keenan Reynolds and, and Dantes Bird, both uh, wide receivers on this team, tied for the most deep attempts in the X- XFL uh, with six each. They have one, uh, uh, Bird has one reception. These, uh, Keenan Reynolds has none. Oh, my goodness. So, from a fantasy perspective, a guy like Bird that has three, and by deep passes, it's any pass, it's qualified. Pro football focus, focus qualifies any play uh, past 20 yards or more. Got it. So, as far as Bird goes, he's almost dirt. He's, he's basically minimum salary on a site like DraftKings. I don't mind taking shots on, on guys like him, uh, but. I have no interest in looking towards the Brandon Silvers ever, and it, and it's hard to to feel confident about anything the Seattle Dragons are going to do either. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Is you can't even go, like, what's the bottom line? What's that line to where you can justify going contrarian? It it might right. be if we were to just quickly, and we have a couple of minutes here. Dave Lockman's in the house at Lofty underscore D. Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio. What are the odds? It's all presented by Cure Auto Insurance. If you were to build the stack, I mean, at this point, Walker and I think both Jones and probably even Tamu are going to be chalk, right? I think so. Is and Johnson really the the only option you have as far as a contrarian stack? I want nothing to do with McGloin. Nope. Uh, nope. At all. Nope. Dallas Renegades' defense has looked good enough uh, to where I want nothing to do with Silvers. I don't care if, if he's home or yep. not. Um, Tampa Bay is two guys going right, so you can't. Yeah, yeah, and even if even if it was just Cornelius, I would be I wouldn't be interested. Flowers, if he was cheap enough, you might be able to talk me into. If he was expected to get all the snaps, just because rushing upside in quarterbacks is so valuable, he's at seventy one hundred on DraftKings, ninety two hundred for Johnson. Yeah, I, I, uh, see I, that. I, I would say in a spot like this. You're probably better off paying a premium for for your quarterbacks. Now, in NFL, I'm all about taking discounted quarterbacks. The problem is there's a lot of discounted quarterbacks that can give you really solid games. We haven't seen that yet with with guys like this. And I think the discount, the value that you're going to want, only two weeks into the season, but the value that you're going to want is going to come from guys like a Dantes Bird, where you're getting him at the wide receiver position, almost, he is minimum salary, uh, and no one's looking at him because he's only has seven targets and, and two receptions in his first two games, but six of his seven targets have been 20-plus yards downfield. Those are the type of guys that can make a pretty significant splash. They're, you want to talk about contrarian, no one's going to be on players like that. Um and you know that, that that's where I would rather go if I'm going cheap. All right. So real quick, is this and this is, can just be a, a yes or no question? Are we? I would think we're better off building a stack here, right? Always. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, just because it's the XFL and and we know that there are, are some variables that will play out, like the bottom four teams aren't playing out. Right. I, I mean, isn't Tamu now like the least owned stack? Wouldn't that be Tamu, or maybe not because of the matchup? Uh, against yeah the Guardians, man, that last game was was a really rough to yeah. watch, right? So we've got the two Jones, Walker, and Tamu to choose to build. I'll let you choose. Who are we building a stack with? The chalk of all chalk is going to be the MVP mm-hmm. in Walker. There's a lot of love for Jones in Cardell. You nailed what I laid out as well, which is uh, there's belief that Landry Jones is going to be able to throw the ball. Seattle's defense, though, probably is the best of the four opponents, right? 
Yeah, I think so. And the the only problem with was if if you're going with Walker, you're playing Cam Phillips, who leads the league in touchdowns. He's got four already. He's he's just been been crushing. But then you're paying a premium for both of these guys, and rounding out the rest of your lineups could start looking a little bit dicey. Uh, but I do think with with this is a high octane, clear aerial attack, pass first offense in Houston. No doubt about that. So you can actually look to some of these lesser-priced guys. Now, Sammy Coates has had a ton of opportunities downfield. He just hasn't been able to bring anything in. But um, Dan Patrick, Knighton. Oh, sorry about that. You're good, man. But guys like you know Nick Holly, very cheap, playing for Houston, mostly getting work out of the slot. He's got 10 targets, five in each game. So if you wanted the stack, I think you probably go Walker Phillips and then go with a cheaper wide receiver in an offense that might see Walker throw 40-plus times. Wow. All right, so not bad. I didn't think that we would... See, that's interesting. I didn't think that we would be at that point right there. Well, here's the thing. There, there's there's several stacks that, that I think you can really like here. You know, Cardell Jones... Rashad Ross is tough for me, though, You know, if, if you're pairing him with, with Jones, because right. okay. he is he is entirely dependent on the deep ball, right? That That's what you're depending on for Rashad Ross, but he's expensive. You know, you know so you got to pay up for somebody like Ross. Um, all right, so where, let's, let's, let me ask you this. If if you're beginning a stack right. and you're going quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, because so I'm going Walker and Phillips, right? Okay, that's that's what you said. Where would you go? I, I'm still I'm still intrigued by Landry Jones. Okay, but I also believe that Tom, like Tamu's enough to move the football with his feet mm-hmm. and score in closer close yardage situations where I feel like I could get you know thirty points. But I wonder how many people are going to be looking. I feel like he'd be high-owned because of that. I still think that Landry Jones would be the lowest of the four owned stacks based on still the picks in the first half combined with Seattle's defense providing a little more spark. So I don't mind going and paying premium for Walker and Phillips because I think it pays off. And you already gave us Bird and some, some gems. But I, I wouldn't be adverse to starting the stack with Landry either. I don't hate it. And, and look, here's the thing to consider. You don't I don't mind going with a chalky stack, especially on these four game slates. I can differentiate elsewhere. So maybe that's with going with the chalky uh Walker and the chalky Phillips, but then going with, as I mentioned, a discounted low owned uh Holly on that same team that correlates with Walker, but nobody's playing him. Now, we don't have ownership yet, but that could be a way to differentiate but still have exposure to what should be the top-scoring team of the week again. Awesome stuff, brother. Anything else that we didn't get out that you want to jam in here before you take off? Uh, there's a lot, man, but uh, we'll do we'll do this again. <laughs> we have to. Hopefully, as long as the XFL uh, stays on its feet. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what direction... What the trajectory is for the XFL, but I'll keep talking about it. I, I think there's there's money to be made here for sure. I agree, and especially as you mentioned, you keep applying the NFL approach to stacking and fantasy. Now, as you mentioned, from the four games, we all know how the quarterback play is. It's a lot easier to manage, and I think for the people that are successful week in and week out, if you're just doing the double ups or if you're playing tournaments, just do what you've been doing. And yeah. you pretty much win some money, man. It's easy. Dave, I appreciate it, brother. Dave Lochran, at Lawfee underscore D, SiriusXM Fantasy, awesomeo.com. Book, anything else you got going on? New album? No, no new albums yet. Uh, yeah, 
Check me out on, uh, we've got awesome.com, A-W-E-S-E-M-O.com. Everything you need for daily fantasy sports is over there. Awesome, brother. I appreciate it. And we still have Matt Peralt to get to. We've some live in-game look-ins here as Louisville and Syracuse are battling a busy final 40 or so. What are the odds? Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler. It's all presented by Curato Insurance. Sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique. You know, it's anger. Uh, I feel like every single guy over there needs a beating. You know, it's, it's wrong. They're messing with people's careers. You know, I know we're all competitive and we're all we're out there competing, but there's right ways to do it and wrong ways to do it. And uh, I 100% disagree with the way they did it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people uh, that were hurt by it, um, and it was wrong. I made my debut in '86 with a melody and a president's mix, and now I stay on strong and refuse to miss. Especially this morning at Braves camp, Nick Markakis, he said that the guys over here deserve a beating with the world went on. What do you have? Any thoughts on those comments? Oh, that's cool. No, I ain't got no, I ain't commenting on everybody's comments, you know, so. Go ahead. You want, to, you want to beat on us? Go ahead. Now, far be it from me to disagree with a man who has come on this radio program many a times and has a record that stands alone at Adam Thompson, but I was shocked, maybe just saddened. Maybe it was just a sober reminder that somebody who's got a much hotter streak at doing this than I do came out contrary to where I was, but locked that over 83 and a half? Nick Markakis comes out. They need a beating. It's something out of the Irish. Give him a beating. What is this? Markakis and others have no fear of Rob Manfred. You think this man Manfred has caused any type of true deterrence for players? He could find a way. People still, look, they're fine, suspensions, all that, and people still get pegged. Where exactly is the deterrent in a fine? Where exactly is the deterrent in a suspension? People appeal these things and it gets lightened all the time, lessened all the time. Why in the world would anybody fear Rob Manfred? You know, I had a long day on Sunday. I think I did 45 minutes on camera and then I did the press conference. I have to say I made one mistake, um, at least um, during that long day. And um, that was in an effort to make a rhetorical point. I referred to the World Series trophy in a disrespectful way. And I want to apologize for that. There's no excuse for it. Um, I made a mistake. I was trying to make a point, but I should have made it in a more effective way. And again, I want to apologize for it. Commissioners normally are in this position where they're acting idiotic or foolish, and they have no control or command over the situation. Roger Goodell does this to a T. But the difference is, Roger Goodell, Gary Bettman, Adam Silver... They're not fighting back. They're not trying to mandate against frustration. Especially frustration that they've helped aid. Alright, that's it. Nobody say anything else about the Patriots at all. Can you imagine that? Uh, you know, Bill Belichick. 
couple of players on the Falcons were saying as you guys are set to open up the season that they're really upset. You guys deserve a beating after what happened in that Super Bowl. Something was fishy. Something was shady. And What? Can you imagine? LeBron James, I know he weighed in, so he needs to talk about this thing on Twitter, but can you imagine this scenario happening in life? Outside of Major League Baseball, just in general? No. Dusty Baker thrown in this whole thing. Rob Manfred, who has absolutely zero authority over anybody, especially from a don't-do-that standpoint. What? 83 and a half, that's it? That's the only number I have to clear? I just need 84 times, maybe not even batters, but times, in which somebody gets hit by a pitch to collect in on some money? Yeah, I'll take that. Nick Markakis said they deserve a beating. When is the last time you've heard anybody in professional sports respond to a scandal like that inside the same sport? Steroids. That's really it. That's the only other time you can look at this thing. Man, I'm about to just pound the Astros over. This thing is just written for it. You've got guys this pissed off? You know, it's anger. Uh, I feel like every single guy over there needs a beating. You know, it's, it's wrong. They're messing with people's careers. You know, I know we're all competitive and we're all we're out there competing, but there's right ways to do it and wrong ways to do it. And... Uh, I 100% disagree with the way they did it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people uh, that were hurt by it, um, and it was wrong. 96 wins. Over-unders, 94 and a half, 96 wins. Houston Astros locking in. Over 83 and a half, hit by pitches, lock it in. The Houston Astros this year are going to stick it to everybody. And I'm not rooting for them. I'm just saying we apply logic and reason here. That's it. And of course, some passion. But you just heard Dave Lochran, who was with us for a while, and we thank him for his time and insight. It was fun convo about a bunch of different stuff. The difference of blindly betting with your heart as opposed to applying some sort of logic there. I'm not going to just root against or technically bet against the Houston Astros because I'm filled with blind rage. I can't believe they cheated. No way they win 95 games. Yeah, they will. Reality is they're going to win about 96, 97 games. And look back at everybody like, ha, we told you. What now? That's what the Patriots did. You had to find a new scandal. Deflate gate. Continue to push this whole. It's what happened in New England. It's what's going to happen in Houston. The Astros are not a bad baseball team. Astros didn't lose four or five guys. Oh, my God. What do they do now? Astros are predicted. The number is set at 94 and a half. Right now, the futures for them to win the World Series are plus 650. You might as well. Uh, Dodgers are a great bet, I understand. The Yankees, hmm. Favorites, yes, but basically returning from injury. And that's the big predicate. That's what a lot of it is predicated on. But Dodgers are going to be everybody's favorite. Houston. I think people are almost forgetting about Houston. It's easy. Read between the lines. Sift between the detail here. What's going on right now this week? Well... Everybody, from you to LeBron James, is piling on the commissioner. Probably rightfully so. 
The Houston Astros have turned into the league pariah. Everybody from Nick Markakis to fill in the blank at this point has Mike Trout has weighed in. Markakis took it a little to the extreme, but you see where people are, at least from a mentality right now on this whole thing. So you've got all of this adding up. Manfred saying, well, don't necessarily come at me. We did what we could. And then here are the Astros. Not giving a damn. Astros could care less. In fact, guys on the Astros are lashing out at people who have lashed out at them. This team, eighty the same principle you would apply to taking the over 83 and a half and them getting hit by a pitch is why you would take them over 94 and a half games won and why you would not even, I think, blink at some outside value that has a good chance or probability of paying off, and that's the Houston Astros to win the 2020 World Series. That would be one of the craziest stories we would see. Astros, and then what do you say? Win again. Three times in, what, four or five years? Win again. All of a sudden, you have to talk about dynasty. Where does this team rank all time? And yes, you'll have that conversation of cheating thrown in there as well. I love it. This team is motivated. This is a betting dream right here. The Houston Astros are motivated, and they're going to shove it to everybody. And by doing that, it's going to be winning 96, 97 games. Yeah, I have no problem flinching at all. No issue there. I should say no flinching, no problem there at all. 94 and a half, minus 122. Think about that. Under 94 and a half, you're paying plus 100. Go ahead. Use this narrative as fuel for why you would make this decision. Look at it. Just from a team standpoint, the Houston Astros have put themselves in a pretty good position to cover some bets here. We've seen it. I mean, just look at divisions, if you want. Look at the AL West. Astros are minus 280 to win that division. A's are plus 340 coming up next. They're going to walk into the playoffs. They're going to backdoor moonwalk themselves into a playoff spot. What are you talking about? Houston Astros are a lock. They're going to win 96 games. They're going to have a ton of guys getting hit by a pitch. They're going to win the division, and they're going to be one of the craziest stories in sports in the entire calendar year. Once you actually have this season begin going into the World Series, it will be, in looking back as Houston represents the American League, it will be one of the craziest journeys and stories we'll have across the board without a doubt. Matt Peralt's going to join us coming up. He's in Vegas, of course. We have a chat with him each and every Wednesday, and when it's Vegas and it's Fury and Wilder, we've got some questions. Amazingly, I think that I am willing to look at a couple of these angles with Peralt that normally he would just kind of, ah, scoff at. But Lochran and I came up with some pretty good conversation and some pretty good insight, I think, and at least reason why you would go if it's Fury and the knockout under on those rounds. So we'll see what Matt Peralt has to say about the fight. XFL continues to be a conversation on this program. It ain't going anywhere. Hopefully other people are picking up on this, but at the very least, you know you have a home here for the XFL in Philadelphia and beyond.
What are the odds? Landry Jones is the stack. We'll finish where we kind of left off with Dave and look a little bit about that stack on DraftKings. And I think I'm going to go with the expert's advice here, not my own. Not that I second-guess it or anything, but I like how Dave laid out the strategy of paying a premium for Walker and Phillips, stacking those two. You can look at another Houston wideout, if you will, with Lewis, Khalil Lewis. Although I want to make sure that I'm not playing anybody at all that's on the injury report. And then we run it back. You know, who on... See, the problem is, is that this is not a traditional stack. Because normally you would take somebody on Tampa Bay and you'd run that sucker back. But who in the right... Like, who can you run with on Tampa Bay? There's nobody. Murray is questionable. He's been benched. Cornelius Flowers, those two guys are kind of rotating at the quarterback position. You've got one guy in Williams, but do you trust him? He's not been able to put up much. Williams is averaging like 13 fantasy points between the two games. And he's been a heavy target more so just as a result of that. Houston will not be in a shootout with Tampa. Houston will just bury Tampa. That's why I'm, man, you hate to stack a running back with a quarterback and wideout, right? Although I don't hate Pumphrey. The problem is that he's splitting some time now, the Presley kid, but Artist Payne is just going to be such heavy chalk. Butler, if you look at the narrative playing out of like a 33-6 to game, that Houston just dominates Tampa, especially because Tampa's defense is pathetic and their offense might be worse. I, I don't normally do this, but look, we're talking about eight teams in four games. So it's not like there are a wide range of options, but you might. But now again, you're paying a premium. I mean, he's the highest cost. Yeah, it's not going to work. You can't premium out Walker, Butler, and, and Phillips. Pardon me. I mean, even Khalil Lewis right now coming in at 9,100 on DraftKings. You'd have to drop it down a little bit more for Sammy Coates, which isn't terrible value because he's been targeted and just needs to come in with something, but we'll have to move away from Butler. Unfortunately, we'll have to. Now, the defense at this point, just throw it in there. Oof. Seattle and Dallas, if you're not stacking Landry Jones, then you take the third cheapest defense in Seattle hosting Dallas, which leaves one more flex because we'll run Williams back in that stack. One more flex. Now, we're not able to really pay a premium on anybody, so I wonder where Bird is, as that was a pretty good suggestion. So he's dealing with a little injury. That was a great suggestion by Dave Lochran. Matt Peralt's going to join us in five minutes. But you're now down to about... If you're following along and playing this lineup, you're down to two positions that are going to be about a 4,100 split. And at that max, at about 4,100, 4,000 to 4,100, not many options jump out. Especially because you're not going to go anybody else on Tampa. And you really only have four teams. So do you play, even though you're playing St. Louis's defense... Do you play somebody in that regard to where you can take advantage of it? Bird is at 3,000. 
All right, so we're going with Lochran's suggestion there. We're putting Bird in at 3000 which gives us 5200 for a running back. Who's going to be up so much that they're going to turn to their running back to run things out? Well, Houston, of course, we believe that. St. Louis over New York. St. Louis, man, New York was bad. The problem is they have a running quarterback in St. Louis. But I don't hate running their backup in... Michael, there's no real starter that you're going to get here. So now you're looking at any type of backup that might provide some value. Might be the kid from Seattle, right, Williams? Boy, I can't play anybody on Tampa. I refuse. I apologize, but I absolutely refuse. I think the play right now is between two backups in Michael in St. Louis, part of me, and Williams in Seattle. And we're going to roll with Williams in Seattle. So there's our stack. Walker is your quarterback, your running backs, Williams, out of Seattle. We're running with a couple of Houston guys in Phillips and Coates, running that stack back with Williams, who's their top receiver in Tampa Bay. Slid in Bird as a nice option, under-the-radar option at the flex. Took the Dragons. At this point, doesn't really matter so much on defense. And we're left with $200 on the board. Not bad to lock that in on DraftKings and get ready for this XFL weekend. Matt Peralt's next. We'll see if he has any thoughts on the XFL. We'll start, of course, with Wilder and Fury. I don't think the T-Mac teaser is in play, but we'll get anything we can out of Vegas next. What are the odds? Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Through a lot of things... A lot of value, different ways you can connect a narrative to this fight. And when we have a big match, especially out in Vegas, it's always nice because it coincides with our weekly chat here with Matt Peralt at Sports Talk Matt. What are the odds here? Pushing the odds there on SB Nation Radio 1 to 4 Eastern, SBNationRadio.com. And Matt, of course, joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. All right, Mr. Peralt, what's the buzz like? First and foremost, just separate the odds for a second because we'll get into that. We have it here locally, FanDuel, DraftKings. There's actually a little bit of a disparity between a couple of these odds out there. But just generally speaking, when you're walking the strip, when you're talking to people on your show, all the way down to the grocery store, hey, that's Matt Peralt. What what do you think about this fight? What are people saying as far as who's going to win this fight? What's funny, so uh, you're saving me from a birthday party. So I'm <laughs> talking to you probably about as far away from the strip as you'd imagine. I am outside of a Chuck E. Cheese nice, right now. Nice. So, doing, doing this conversation with my, a friend of ours' fifth birthday party. So my daughter's inside. I'm outside. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to bounce. My out. pleasure. Uh, now, how many people yeah, inside there were hitting you up, plugging you for info on this fight? Yeah, that's where I was going because it pretty much, you know, it's one of those conversation points, right? So who wins this weekend? What do you think? You know, you, who, who, who are you taking? Who are you betting? It's one of the more interesting things because this fight did 325,000 buys in the first matchup. And Bob Arum this morning on my radio show predicted 2 million. So we're talking about a massive change because, well, one, everyone's seen the meme of Tyson Fury getting up in the 12th round after being knocked down. 
and doing his best Undertaker WWE routine. <laughs> but then you have Fox Sports and ESPN combining for a fight, which never happens. They are both co-promoting, and they both are throwing the living daylights out of this thing, including two spots during the Super Bowl, which never happens, which the fight did not pay for, Bob Arum said today. That was all done by Fox to help promote the fight. So you're talking about some real prime real estate being given up. So there's all sorts of buzz about this fight but i don't i mean to be quite honest i'm really curious to see what this thing's going to look like because the first fight as i mentioned people were kind of like all right yeah fine that's great heavyweight champions who's going to go fight anthony joshua and the winner of this fight was supposed to move on to fight anthony joshua well in the in the interim anthony joshua got beat by a tub of goo named andy ruiz Mm. and then had to basically spar his way through 12 rounds to get his belt back and to beat andy ruiz in saudi arabia of all places so now <laughs> you've got everyone saying this is the biggest fight ever. This is Ali Frazier. And to be honest with you, I don't think Vegas sees it like that. I mean, Vegas is excited for this fight. They're pumped up. But, I mean, this is not one of those events where, like, people are going to be spending $15,000 for a ringside seat. It just doesn't have that type of buzz. So I, I think people want to watch it. I think it's a pay-per-view juggernaut due to the publicity of this fight but here in vegas it kind of feels like a typical fight you know just a big fight Hmm. on a saturday night how much of this is an in-game play meaning how much of this is so difficult to call from the outside from a betting standpoint that granted you're always going to have money and a big bet and all that ahead of of the fight but how much of the people that kind of know what they're doing you and others that you interact with are looking at this and thinking yeah there might be some value here there but let's wait and see let's see if a guy comes out and wins two or three rounds and then fade that person and take the other fighter knowing you're going to get probably plus two or three hundred odds in game in match well, it's a great question because, all right, so let's just break this down from a fighting perspective. In the first fight, Tyson Fury came out and, by most people's accounts, outboxed Deontay Wilder, but Wilder dropped him twice. Now, the draw was controversial because you could say that Fury won on the scorecards, but the referees, or the, the judges, excuse me, really had a tough time overcoming the fact that Fury got dropped twice. So that's a pretty big thing when you're judging a fight to see one guy get knocked nearly out and the controversial 10 count in the 12th round, a lot of people put the stopwatch to it and said that went way too slow. So this second fight coming in here, Fury has changed everything. He has re- completely rededicated his body to working out. He now has, he's using Conor McGregor's nutritionist. He's trying to become, you know, bigger but not fatter, if you know what I mean. He's well, okay with weighing 270. Why not use TB12, Matt? <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 pliability and boxing, I don't think, really go together. You want to be able to last 12 rounds. <laughs> he, wants, he, he, wants, he, he doesn't care about being stretchy. He cares about being able to throw and throw consistently for, you know, for 40, 45 minutes or whatever. So, to me, what's really wild about, if you want to do the in-game wager, because I really don't know which way I'm going to lean on this, because it's, it's one home run hitter versus a guy who's going to hit doubles all day long. Sure. And the guy that, and the guy that hits doubles... That could be good enough. He's not going to, he's talking, he's going to knock, he's going to stalk and try to knock out Wilder, but I don't buy that for a second. I think you're walking right into the guy's right handed power, so I have no clue why you'd put yourself into that position to get the home run hitter his chance. But to me, if you're going to play the in game, you just got to watch the first couple of rounds to see how Wilder's moving. If Wilder does what he says he's going to do, is that he's upped his boxing skills, he's going to move his head more, he's going to not let Fury basically outpoint him for every round and then try to go with that home run. He's going to try to build it up, win a couple of rounds, wear Fury down, and then knock him out. 
that's where I think in the first two rounds, if Wilder wins the first two rounds, I would in-bet Wilder for sure because a knockout will be coming. If Fury wins the first two rounds, then it's, it's a little bit more difficult because of that right-handed power that you got with Wilder. But most likely, Fury's trying to go the distance and win like he did or tried to win the first time. Matt Peralt joining us at Sports Talk. Matt, on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline, Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor, Fox Sports Radio. What are the odds? It's all presented by Cure Auto Insurance. What does this line tell you? To be knocked down, Deontay Wilder here in, in Philly on FanDuel. So PA FanDuel has it at plus 215, Fury at minus 126. What does that line tell you, Matt, about the fight? It tells you that one guy has right-handed power who can knock you out on any throw, and the other guy is most likely not strong enough to knock down the other 225-pound man. I mean, that's just not – Fury's game is not knockout power. He can do it, but he more or less TKOs people. He stops them. He doesn't knock them out. So he basically has the referee step in and say, the guy's taking too much punishment, I'm calling the fight. Is there any contrarian value there? I mean, if you believe that Fury's going to try to knock him out. But, I mean, this is a guy who knocked out his first 32 opponents. I mean, Wilder doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't get knocked out. And most times when he fights a guy for the second time, the guy doesn't last to the third round. I mean, once he gets a feel for you, you don't, you don't survive Wilder. You, he, he, he tees off on you, and he hits you hard enough to make you see tomorrow. So I, I, I'm very concerned. If I'm Fury... This idea of him trying to walk down and walk into the power means the likelihood of him being knocked down, pretty good. I mean, really good. He, gets, he, he sees the canvas. Even if he wins, he sees the canvas at least once. Have you seen anything come across this fight where you feel like that's the best value? Any type of prop or method of victory or even no to will both fighters be knocked down? Anything at all that you've had or seen that you have looked at and thought to yourself, that's the best value in this fight? Not yet, because I want to see the weigh-ins. I really want to see what Tyson Fury looks like. Really? I mean, I, it, yeah, it, it matters to me. I mean, it, it's, as, as someone who does amateur boxing for the last year, and yep. those former, former Hall of Famers, I mean, they, they always, that's one of the main things they always say that people don't realize. You've got to see what someone looks like on the scale. Watch, look at their body, and look what, did they dedicate themselves? Do they look more, more in shape than the last time? If they come in at 270, it's heavyweight now, right? So th- their weights don't matter except for their dedication. And if you believe that Tyson Fury is in much better condition and in much better shape, and he's going to take it seriously because he, he's claiming the first time he wasn't taking it out seriously, he said famously today that he stopped drinking 30 Diet Cokes a day before the doing that for the second fight. Now, come on. Do you believe he was drinking 30 Diet Cokes a day? It's like Papa no, John's telling you he ate, what, 500,000 pizzas in a right. year? <laughs> right. Bob Arum said that he's known to exaggeration, so no, I don't, be, I don't buy it for a second. But he did say that to the media, that that's what he stopped doing. So he clearly was doing some things that weren't nutritionally sound for an, an athlete at his level to be seriously contending for a, for a championship. So, if he's rededicated himself, I do want to see what he looks like. I want to see the body, and then I want to see Wilder, and I want to see how how many pounds is he giving up to, to, to Fury. I mean, if it's 50 pounds, I don't care who you are, 50 pounds is 50 pounds. That's a lot of weight in a ring with two big men at six foot seven. I mean, I think, what, 6'9 is what Fury is, and 6'7 is what, is what Wilder is. So, yeah, I mean, before I bet anything in this fight, I want to see what they look like. But to be honest, I really don't know because – Normally what happens is the public comes in on the dog, right? So the, the line goes up, 
public takes the plus money always. Sharps wait till right before the, the thing goes off to get the best value possible, and they take the favorite. Well, the line already flipped, at least here in Vegas. It opened up with Wilder, sorry, with Fury as the favorite. And then all the sharp money and all the public money early came in on Wilder. So now Wilder is the minus 125 favorite, and Fury is plus 105. Oh, wow. That's local at plus. See, I can get Fury at minus 106 and minus 107 kind of on FanDuel DraftKings here in PA. I can't get Uh plus money on Fury. Okay, yeah, you got got plus money in Fury here. So so the the Sharps in Vegas early took took Wilder early, and the public too, so on both sides. So that caused a real big market correction. So now the favorite is Wilder. So it's difficult to say – because normally you watch the Sharps and you kind of follow the Sharps. If it's a Mayweather fight or a Canelo fight, or you just go, okay, you know, you're, you're going to pay a big premium. But in Vegas, normally what I always say is, who, who does the city need? You know, do, who, who does Vegas want to, I mean, like, like the casinos in like all of the, the, the fan bases. Neither one of these guys have a fan base in the U.S. Neither one are bringing a huge entourage of thousands of people and filling up thousands of hotel rooms. So, that's part of the, the intrigue to this fight that I've got, that like this is a great place to hold it because neither guy really has an advantage if you want to go conspiracy theory and say, well, Triple G had no shot to beat Canelo in Vegas sure. because he means, he means millions to this town. Well, neither one of these guys mean millions to this town. So this is a true heavyweight fight without much on the line besides just the boxing that will go on Saturday night. Hey, Matt, I saw this story just pop up when we came on, so I don't even know how old it is, but... I do want to get your thoughts on it because it involves betting futures. And clearly we've seen the Houston Astros scandal, saga, impact, people betting futures, maybe even betting. I love the Astros now. I'm just over, over, over everything because it's going to be a shut up. It's going to be like what the Patriots do every time they're accused of doing something. They come back and just pound teams. I I, I don't think they have the same moxie, but okay, yeah. Well, I I think they have the talent. I think that, well, here's the thing. The reason why I say this, and this is even where I was going to go, and I was actually going to go NFL, but that's fine. The reason why I say that is because of their actions. I First off, I don't think anybody is going to respect Rob Manford's decree of not plunking these guys. We see guys get plunked all the time. The Astros... That's the difference. Look, I respect the Patriots. They're the Joe Pesci's when they get caught. They keep their head and their mouth shut, and they keep moving. And if they have to go and they and they have to do their sentence, they do it. They come back, and they're back to their business. These guys in, the, in Houston, they just run their mouth. I don't think that they've learned anything, and that's probably why I feel like they'll attract a lot more attention. Yeah, I, that's why I think they're going to lose a lot. Mm. I think they're going to get. I think they're getting everyone's best shot. I think when they come to town, well, didn't they already I mean, this past year? No, this is totally different. This is a different level of best shot. This is this is like you know playoff type stuff when they come to town. They, when you go to Boston, Philly, New York, Chicago, you go to real baseball towns. These guys are are going to be you know thrown at, hit. You know, people are going to scream at them. You know, beers poured on them. This is going to be nasty. It, it, it is open season on these guys because of what they've done. And Rod Manfred's done them no favors, none, when it comes to the comments he has made about this. And really, every time an Astros player opens their mouth, you realize that inside that clubhouse, there's a massive division as to how that thing should have been handled. That's the problem. The Patriots all get on one page. It's one line. They all say it publicly. This is what I'm talking about. That's it. These guys are all over the place. Oh, wait, Correa says that he had a bad tattoo. Oh, wait, no, he was right. there. They're liars. He didn't have an undershirt on, or oh wait, uh, no Verlander saying, oh I should have spoken up more, right, Mister? I talk about everyone else but my own team. 
So, like, there's a whole big problem inside that clubhouse. It's very different than what the Patriots go through because they shut up and just do what they're told. These guys, every time they talk, they make it worse for themselves. And you got guys like Nick Markakis saying every one of these guys deserve a beating. So that's why I think these guys, at least for the first half of the year, are going to have a real rough run of it every time they go to a new ballpark. And the media crush is going to be ridiculous. Oh. Every news reporter. this is the, the Patriots have this happen all the time. When they have a bad story, the news people show up. Sure. Not the beat guys. Right. The news people show up. The machine up. And does. And they don't care about making sure a PR guy likes them or making sure that, the fan, that that player will take their questions next time around. They come out and the knives come out. <laughs> and they go to work. So that's why I'm concerned about the Astros in terms of the intensity of this year. It's going to be really draining on them every time they go to a new ballpark. At home, they'll be fine. But on the road, I don't know. I can see these guys really struggling. Early. 94 and a half. Well, out of time, that's fine, because we'll, we can get into this as far as the playoff structure, also XFL yeah. stuff. But uh, unfortunately, it's always we just fly by with everything. <laughs> so I'll leave you with this, all right, my friend? Yeah. In the final minute I have with you. 94 and a half pound the over. Disagree. I knew you would. I knew you would. That's why I gave you the final word. Yeah, I'm I'm saying uh, I would just bet the under. 90 probably is their max, is my my opinion. They'll get to 90, but that's their top. All right, real quick, who wins this damn fight? I'm going to take Wilder knockout in the ninth round. Ooh, I like it. So direct and specific. I might even take that right now. Wilder and combine in the ninth round. Thank you, brother. All right, take care. You got a Matt Peralt Sports Talk. Matt, pushing the odds 1 to 4 Eastern on SB Nation Radio. This is one of the odds. 6 to 8 p.m. Monday through Wednesday, right here on Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. It's a wrap for me. We'll be back on Monday. Make sure you play that stack. Make sure you keep betting the XFL. Just wait for something to happen. If there's no score, pound the over. If there are a couple of scores, pound the under. You've been warned. Thanks for riding with me here on Fox Sports Radio.